up, everyone? I'm Katherine Rutter, and you're listening to Life in the Fast Chain. On this episode, we have co-founder of 11FS, Simon Taylor. He is also the host of Blockchain Insider and FinTech Insider, the podcasts. So this is a special episode for two reasons. We are recording at Cybos. The conference just finished up. Um, So that's an interesting new feature. Um, And also, I am going to release the video from the episode, which I typically don't do. So if you're listening on a podcast app and you want to continue to do so, feel free. Um, And you can also watch the podcast uh, at the link in the bio of this episode. So you can do whatever you want. but be warned right now, you can watch the video version if uh, if you want. So I hope you enjoy it. I am here with Simon Taylor from 11FS. Uh, how are you doing today, Simon? I'm not too bad at all, thank you. Yeah, you just just about reached the microphone there. Yeah, really good. Cyboss is interesting this year. I've, I've done well. I haven't got conference flu. Uh, I'm feeling like I'm awake. I saw that outside. Uh, yeah, feeling feeling pretty good about the world of crypto right now in blockchain. How are you? I am pretty good. Uh, as people can see, we're passing the microphone back and forth because our uh, three right now, we have a bit of a janky setup um, because we came over from New York. I didn't have enough room in my bags. I sacrificed a stand for an extra pair of shoes. It's not the, it's not the best, but you know, it's working. We have our nice little light. Um, I am good. When you say uh, you saw the outside, can I tell you a quick story of how I first got here? Oh, I was going to say the first. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, can you tell me a quick story the first time you saw the outside? I was like, they don't let you out? Like, what? <laughs> I mean, no, I did not know that it wasn't raining anymore until we went outside. I was like, wow. And people were saying that it was uh, it was clear skies for a little while. But the first time I got here, um, I'm already taking over the interview. First time I got here, I uh, we took the wrong, we had to take three tubes to get here from where we were. So blah, blah, blah. We finally get to the DLR. So the last stop. Yes. So we get on the wrong one because I thought the, the tracks were all the same. They're not. They're not. So I we end up across the river, but like equidistant from where we should be. So, and this is me and my coworker, Megan Paytas. We, I look on a map and we're like, oh, we just have to cross the water. So we essentially decide instead of going back into the DLR, two stops and then going back, we decide to crossed the river and ended up basically crossing a highway uh, to American girls like idiots. So that was the first time I got here. So since then, I've done a lot better, but that's the only time I saw the outside. <laughs> I took an Uber. Like, <laughs> that's the move. That's the move. That's, yeah. It's so much simpler that way. Um, but it, you know, Cybos this year, it's interesting having it in what is now my adopted hometown of London. Uh, I've been to Cybos. Um, it was Boston 2014 when I first went to a Cybos, and it was actually uh, really, really interesting. And in fact, I discovered fintech because of Cybos. Um, so in 2009, I worked for a company in payments processing. I just got this job. I needed a job. I'd been uh, out of work for a year. I'd been. I was a struggling entrepreneur. I'd built a couple of companies. They did okay, but they weren't paying the bills. And so I, I got a job working for this payments company. I'd never heard of payments before. And uh, I was I was on my BlackBerry at the time at lunchtime, and I discovered this like Cybos hashtag and these these people like talking about stuff. And it was like I was really into tech anyway. Uh, but then they were talking about finance and tech, and it was kind of relevant to my day job. And I was like, this is this is really actually interesting because I'm a nerd. And uh, go figure. Uh, years later, um, I, I bumped into some of the people that were were talking back and forth on Twitter. 
Lewis. It turns out it was Dave Birch, Chris Skinner, all these people. Um, so that was 2009. Wind the clock forward to 2014, and I was working at Barclays at the time. All of these networks and contacts that I'd built from uh, sort of discovering the Cybos and the InnoTribe hashtag in 2009, which was the first year they did innovation at Cybos with InnoTribe. Uh, 2014, I had this network. I knew some of these people in London. I'd met them. Uh, but the whole blockchain thing was really kicking off around uh, sort of that, that time towards the end of 2014. So word got to the then CTO of Barclays, who were my employer at the time. They said, uh, they got to the CTO and they realized that, uh, oh, this, this guy, Simon Taylor, uh, has, you know, knows people in blockchain, knows the London community. You, you should go talk to him. So I went to dinner with the CTO of uh, Barclays, who over a steak and a glass of red wine said, you're my blockchain guy. You're my new head of blockchain R&D. Go to Cybos next week and go figure this space out. So Boston 2014 was the first time I ever went to Cybos. Uh, and uh, that was the first time I ever experienced one of these. And then I was at Singapore in 2015 and, and from then on in. So uh, it's kind of been a really serendipitous conference for me. So I'm glad to be back. Yeah, well, next year it's in Boston as well, correct? Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> Comes full circle. That's a really interesting story. I actually did not know that about you and how you kind of all got this started. So before we go any further, um, we're going to do quick rounds of questions out on the floor and then we'll come back for some beer. So what are you doing here? I, good question. What am I doing here? Uh, 11FS is here in a big way. We're obviously doing a lot of media work, um, but we're meeting with a bunch of clients and prospects, having a lot of fun. Cybos is the big banker conference every year in transaction banking, asset management, big finance. So we had to be here. Yeah, totally. So this is the first year we had a booth like this. Um, last year we had a smaller booth, but this is the first year you guys are here too, correct? Yeah, so we're actually a media partner this year. So we're doing a whole bunch of stuff across a number of stages. We're also working with Cybos. We help them promote the event and we're also helping them uh, capture a lot of content whilst we're here as well. So uh, Cybos have been a really good partner and Swift are doing a lot of interesting things around GPI. So uh, yes. we had to get involved. That's true. The very interesting things. So what were you looking forward to? I'm really just jumping right in. I never do this. We normally like, mess around. Okay. So what were you looking forward to most uh, coming to Cybos? I think there's a mixture of things. One, I was really putting my finger on the pulse of where the industry's moved to. Uh, I feel like, especially with blockchain and DLT, it was kind of like, uh, not yet, not yet, not yet. But yeah. this year feels like, okay, maybe now. And yeah. and like the finality stuff that's happening, the stuff that's happened with JPM coin, the stuff that you guys have done with Swift. Like there's just a lot of things that are starting to move around in the background. And then the backed thing happening. So there was that whole side of it. But also like, as somebody who's been involved in FinTech on the retail side, quite a bit. Uh, I've seen what's happened with the challenger banks and that whole fintech space. Uh, I'm seeing that come to transaction banking and into capital management, uh, capital management, capital markets and asset management, a whole bunch. So like, it's this really interesting time for the whole Cybos world right now. I think it's gone from like, oh, it's about standards every year and maybe we'll get ISO 20022 eventually. That's one for the nerds. <laughs> to... Uh, to to like this kind of no wait we can reimagine platforms and we can start again and we can serve customers in a whole different way uh, so I think startup has come to big finance and that's exciting agreed okay let's dive more into this interview in the booth uh, and let's grab a beer we are back. So I realized that I bought uh, Simon and I beer and I did not get an opener. So Simon, tell us about your opener. <laughs> 
this is a blockchain insider opener. I don't know if you can kind of see it. I don't know if it's kind of blurred, <laughs> but you know, I got to have the branded swag. Um, so I'll do the honors. Thank you. I like to come prepared. Yeah, apparently I don't. So. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you very much. Cheers. Oh, they're a little warm, sorry. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. I tried to get the coldest ones. I reached the back of the fridge. It's like a little... Okay, so for everyone uh, listening, watching, um, right now it's a little earlier in the day, so I looked like a crazy person going to the bagel store to get the beers because no one's happy hours started yet, and I was going to try and like talk to a few people, grab a beer, come back, but uh, no, they must have just put it in the fridge. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, looking like a crazy person is absolutely fine at a conference. What you don't want to look like is one of the suits. So um, at least you're standing out a little bit. Um, it's, it's the better way to be. And it's interesting, as I look around Cybos, there does seem to be a real culture shift. Uh, when I first came in 2014, uh, my observation was it was very suited and booted, and I was the interloper in a T-shirt. Actually, the trend is really starting to shift. It's still very, obviously very corporate, bank-to-bank -bank sales being being the primary purpose of it. But you know, I think fintech has come to uh, corporate banking. And that, that excites me. Yeah, totally. So I've noticed, uh, for anyone who hasn't been to Cybos, this place, this is my first time. Um, so this place is huge. Um, but on this side, I feel like there's all of the uh, booths over here. Then you have Discover Zone and then you have the Inner Tribe stuff. I feel like this is a little, I mean, there's obviously like the banks and everything. Um, but this side of the conference seems a little more techie too, which also helps with the atmosphere, I guess, that you're looking for. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but I, even on the bank side, uh, you know, I was bumping into people and it just seemed a bit less stale, dare I say it. Um, but then, uh, you know, the, I haven't attended any of the, the talks. Um, so, you know, maybe people attending the talks had a different presentation. And look, for most people that come to Cybos every year, this is the big sales conference. This is where you do 60% of the deals that you're going to do in a given year. If you're in corporate banking, transaction banking, any of that stuff. So it's a really important time of the year. And it's, you know, the great and the good of world finance are here. Uh, and in, you know, uh, blockchain and DLT, we always hear about Swift, Swift, Swift. This is their big conference. This is you know over 10,000 member banks. This is uh, some of the most, you know, nearly all of world trade runs through this network. It's a really important time. And, and actually, it's going through that bit of that shift towards DLT. And it's starting to think about how it could embrace it and what should it do about it. So the timing at the moment feels, feels really good. Yeah, so when we were uh, out on the floor in front of the booth, you were talking about how, you know, like in years past, uh, it's all been like a lot of talk. Do you uh, feel that that's the general vibe this year? There's this real sense of momentum and, and uh, drive and, and, you know, it's like a snowball. It starts out really small, but actually uh, this year you can kind of really feel that change. Um, and, and what I'm enjoying is uh, just standing down at the 11FS booth, people wandering by and being like, oh, uh, how do you guys, uh, you had so-and-so from this fintech on, could we could we get in touch with them? And, and so there's a lot of this energy towards connectivity between the big banks, the smaller organizations, and between 
between some of the smaller organizations that aren't that small anymore, frankly. Uh, so that you've got now uh, the likes of Clearbank who are here in a big way, you know, um, a, a tech-driven, you know, tech-first clearing bank in the United Kingdom. Super interesting organization. Currency Cloud, a very well-known, uh, you know, we're sort of 10 years into the fintech revolution uh, and sort of coming out of the last financial crisis, looking at it now, um, it really has sort of seen a wave of innovation that's kicked off. Uh, and, and I'm I just no doubt about this stuff. Uh, what, what I think's probably going to be really interesting to watch in the next two, three years is if we do head into another financial crisis, will we see all of these fintechs really survive? Uh, or is the cynic amongst us you know, kind of correct in that um, maybe some of them would drop away? And, and we just don't know how they'd survive that cycle. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, so to talk a little bit about 11FS, how are you guys, so you are the host of Blockchain Insider, you're the host of Fintech Insider, so you have all these different, I feel like, aspects to 11FS. Can you kind of explain how that dynamic works? Sure. So uh, it was Gary Vaynerchuk, I think, who said, uh, you know, of Gary V and Daily V, who said um, all businesses will become media businesses in the future. And uh, marketing is media and media is marketing. That They're pretty much one thing. Uh, and, it, and it really does become that and we embody that. So people tend to know us, as you say, for our podcasts and some of the media we, we produce and some of our live events. Um, but actually, that's uh, that's one of the three tenants that's core to our mission. So, so why does 11FX exist? We exist to change the fabric of financial services, right? So if you look at the infrastructure, the plumbing, but also the core on the inside of a bank specifically, uh, a lot of that's been there for 40, 50 years, um, and some cases longer. And not just the technology, but the processes and the assumptions about how it all works have been there. And a lot of that for good reason, and a lot of it hard fought, and a lot of it's very sensible. But there's an opportunity to do things in an entirely new way, in an entirely digital way. Rather than taking the paper and then trying to put that on a mobile phone, like why, um, maybe start with what the mobile phone can do and th and work back from there. And so that's being digital rather than digitizing. And so we see that shift in mindset really sort of coming through to everything banks do across their value chains. And so some of that is about, uh, you know, kind of the change in fabric of financial services. If you're going to do that, you need to unleash talent. And so we unleash talent both uh, inside of 11FS and inside of our clients. Uh, we hire people mostly from a startup background, but with the right people from financial services who either have an entrepreneurial background or something along those lines that can deliver across product, tech, and engineering. And so we uh, not only produce the content, but then a lot of the uh, kind of uh, products and services that you would need to power the future of this new digital world. And, and what I mean by that more specifically is if you want to change the fabric of financial services by unleashing talent, you need some content. We do the content. You need some products. We have a couple of products. Um, the first product is 11FS Pulse. Um, this is like our Netflix of fintech. If you want to see behind the login screen of WeChat, of Alipay, of uh, USAA, of, of Bank of America, of Deutsche Bank, of Monzo, of Revolut, of Chime. We've had videos from behind the login screen of pretty much everything you could, could wish to see. So that's one of our products. 
Our other product is 11FS Foundry. And Foundry is a reimagining of banking technology infrastructure. So if you think about the inside of a bank as being like all kinds of just Lego of systems, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 different systems, imagine if you started again with a fresh sheet of paper and really created an architecture and a framework for all of those products and services to sit together. Like that's kind of what it is. It's it's almost like the, the jigsaw puzzle, like the master answer to the jigsaw puzzle in, inside of the bank or, or the, the, the Lego pieces. And then uh, that's the, the two core products and we've got many more that we're currently working on. And then the services side is great. So I understand from the content where the market's going. I've got the products to be able to respond to the market, but what do I do? And this is where you need services. You need smart people who can work with you to help you build the, the future of financial services. So we've worked with NatWest to build them a brand new digital challenger bank called Metal. Uh, we worked with Standard Chartered to build them a proposition for their virtual banking license in Hong Kong. Uh, and we're currently working to launch a digital challenger in the US. Um, but one of the things I've been say, seeing a lot of is that digital challenger space was very retail or small business focused. Increasingly, we're seeing that move up into the corporate and the institutional space. So imagine what a challenger bank, investment bank would look like. Imagine what a challenger corporate bank would look like. That's what's getting me really excited about Cybos this year. Very cool. I just kind of had a flashback to how you said, like with all of these things kind of working together, one, that's a very good um, explanation of what you guys do at 11FS because I'm sure there may be a little bit of a misconception maybe if you are just a podcast listener and you don't realize like all of the services, all of the aspects of 11FS. So thank you for explaining that. Um, but I just thought about how you learned. It's like I just had a flashback. You learned about Cybos through a hashtag? Why, why didn't I say anything about that before? Can you talk about that? That's kind of cool. Like, what were you just like looking through trending hashtags near you? I have to hear this. So I don't remember exactly how it happened, but um, I, so I was always had to be the first to sign up to anything that came out. I was lobbying Facebook to open up to non-university. I never went to university. Um, I, as soon as Twitter became available and I became aware of it, I signed up for an account like uh, late 2008, early 2009, something like that. Um, and so this is mid 2009 um, and I was reading TechCrunch every day at lunch because I'm a, I'm a tech nerd, right? And I see this this thing about um, Twitter founder is going to launch a, a, a finance startup, and it was called Squirrel at the time. Uh, you might have heard of it. It's now yeah. called Square. Yeah. Um, so they, he did all right. That did pretty well. Um, but I, I, uh, I emailed that to the CEO of the company I was working for, and they were like, instead of telling me to like, I was kind of not bothered if I got fired. I didn't really <laughs> like the job too much, and, and later went on to love that company, by the way. They were awesome to me. Um, but at that time, I just wasn't in that place. So I had a little bit of momentum behind this finance and tech thing, and it just felt really important, and I didn't know why. So I started trying to follow people on Twitter that were talking about it, and then some of them were talking about this hashtag Cybos, hashtag Inner Tribe thing, and I would I just literally clicked on that hashtag and followed everybody that was talking about it, and overnight, I built myself a fintech network and would respond to people that said something, and I would be like, hey, that's interesting, what about this? And I find people do this with us now at 11FS. Listeners will get in touch 
and respond to our Twitter account or respond to something I've said on Twitter. And it is a really great way. Like Twitter's the best networking tool I've ever had. No, totally. I mean, I have probably like 400 followers. So personally, it's not for me, but I run our social accounts. So for the R3 accounts and everything. Oh, come on. But back then I had maybe 200, 300 followers, yeah. right? In 2009. Okay, so there was less people on Twitter. But like now, you know, 30, 32, 33,000, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But it, it snowballs, right? Yeah. You, you wind the clock forward 10 years and you're in a different place. Totally. Yeah, I do find uh, the Twitter world, I kind of wasn't, wasn't, in it. I've had a Twitter for a long time, but I wasn't really in it. Now I, I run all of our social accounts at R3, um, and I have my own Twitter, and I'm just kind of I'm constantly on, like for news, for everything, you it, you have kind of everything, so you're really ahead of it <laughs> in that respect. I'm a nerd, what can I say? <laughs> um, wow, we covered a lot of things right there. So, I guess how does your, how you talked about the company 11FS as a whole, and the three different aspects there. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Blockchain Insider versus Fintech Insider and kind of what you do for those two uh, podcasts? Yeah, so Fintech Insider is kind of the mainstream show. Uh, one show on Monday, one show on a Friday. Monday is the Fintech news. If you want to be relevant in all things Fintech, you need to be downloading Fintech Insider, uh, especially the Monday show. The the Friday show, we do a mixture of things from interviews with CEOs of Fintechs to banks and, and whatever else to insight shows. Like, let's take a subject like uh, anti-money laundering and let's just nerd out about that. But let's nerd out about it in, a, in an engaging and an interesting way and let's make it real uh, for, for people. So we, we try to do that. Uh, Blockchain Insider just takes all of the blockchain content that would have been on Fintech Insider and does that as like, uh, and just does it as a deep dive. Um, but, it, but it has sort of a mix. It's like a news format again. So it's like the top headlines from the week, but then we invite guests to help chew that through with us. Um, and it's for me, it's just a great excuse to learn about what's going on. And hopefully the listeners enjoy the same thing as well. They get to learn with me and, and with, with everybody on the show as we uh, tear it apart. It was interesting. Um, Back in 2014, uh, it was Richard Brown, it was Preston Byrne, Anthony Macy from Barclays, and, and like a few other folks. We ran a thing called Crypto Mondays, and we would just meet every Monday, pizza and beers, and just chat about uh, all things crypto. And we'd find in conversation we were learning, and and that's sort of what the podcast is. It's those great conversations just scaled. Um, so that's been really powerful for us. And then at 11FS, like what excites me with blockchain and crypto, and especially where we're moving with sort of of digital assets, digital tokens, is if you have something like what SDX are doing and what SIX are doing and a platform like Corda and what the consensus guys are doing in Finality, that's all great when it's outside of the bank. But what happens inside the bank? And, and actually that inside of the bank piece, like you could start to do the five-year plan for how it integrates to all your legacy, or you could just not. And you could take a client and you could, maybe there's a platform out there. Maybe it has a general ledger capability. Maybe it can handle payments. Maybe it can do a lot of the core things that your core systems already do, but for a fraction of the cost and in a way more scalable and modular way. And maybe that thing's called 11FS Foundry. Hey, there it is. 
is. Okay, that was great. I mean, I would love to just like dump, like jump into your brain because I have to admit, and this is me nerding out. <laughs> just jump on in there. Um, this is me nerding out. Every time I need to kind of be, I, I have to be honest, in the marketing world at R3, I am constantly bombarded with Corda only news. But if I really do want, and which is amazing, and, I, and I've learned so much while being here, because um, I've always been in marketing, I wasn't really on this side of learning things. I wanted to be in a totally different industry, and I think goodness it didn't work out because I'm so happy here. Um, but I do get most of my news is R3 ecosystem, Corda platform, uh, open source community around Corda, da da da. Um, but if I do want to learn about what's going on outside of my little world, I do listen to your podcast, obviously. It's honestly, though, it's the best way for me to kind of, because you go through and you talk about what's going on, or you read basically like highlights essentially and talk about highlights of articles and then uh, deep dive into it. And it's very helpful for someone like me who's not super I don't, knowledgeable on the world outside of my little world. So just a little, little pump up for Blockchain Insider and FinTech Insider. Um, but also Todd McDonald from R3, he sometimes intimidates me so much when he comes on the podcast because he just like knows all the recent news. So really, before I record with Todd, that's like like number one. I binge the ones that I hadn't listened to yet and like the most recent ones because it's kind of intimidating. You saw before we recorded, he'll make a joke that's like kind of serious and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so anyways, just a little pump for Blockchain Insider and FinTech Insider. I'm kind of more in the blockchain world worlds, but I definitely find value in both. I love because I have the microphone. You have to just like signal. <laughs> um, okay. So I have to admit being here at Cybos, I haven't had, I feel bad saying this because we've talked about InnoTribe. I haven't had the time to go over there. Can you talk about what's going on over there? Because I find it very interesting. Have you? Oh no, we're, we're so busy. <laughs> Okay, so maybe we'll walk down there after this is recorded. <laughs> oh, that ruins that question. Um, okay, well, let's talk about how you first got into blockchain. Because we talked about how you first got into Cybos, how 11FS was created, but why, why blockchain? <laughs> so, December 2013, uh, I had, right before Christmas, just broken up with my then girlfriend and I was living by myself it was cold in London it was raining outside uh, and it would be like December 19th or something like that so pre-Christmas you're by yourself I was like it's a weekend I could buy some Jack Daniels I could close the curtains and just see off today uh, or I could get a hobby and um, I was like what really annoys me, so I was always a gamer. I always had like the NVIDIA chips and, and all this kind of stuff back in, you know, all the way from 2000 up to 2008-ish. Um, and then 2009, I'd heard about this Bitcoin thing and I'd, I'd even tried to mine some, but by the time I got in, GPUs were kind of useless already. Um, but I'd, I'd kind of had a go at it and, and I was like, no, I need to pick that up someday. And it was on like that backlog of, of stuff you need to do when you have time. And suddenly I had time and I was like, I'm just going to go hit meetup.com and I'm just going to see what's happening in this space and I'm going to try to get out to an event. And so I did. And I found myself at an event at a bar called Far Rock, Far Rock Away in Shoreditch. And this event was for this thing called Ethereum. Never heard of it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. And uh, there was, uh, oh, what was the guy called? Uh, 
oh, I can picture his face. It's really going to annoy me. Uh, but anyway, like Vitalik Skyped into this meeting. I meet Richard Brown there. I meet Preston Byrne there. Like all of these people who've now gone on to become like really well-known in crypto, Twitter and, and whatever else. Uh, and I bump into all these people at this event, but I was just like, there's something here. Like all of these smart professionals from law firms, from technology companies, and there's just something about it. And, uh, and it struck me that when I, when I thought about Bitcoin, I thought about like a machete. I thought about this one thing that was just like really and it was interesting but when I thought about uh, Ethereum I thought about a Swiss army knife like now you could do all of these things with it and I was like that's going to be what changes the conversation and whether you're pro Bitcoin pro Ethereum I, I don't really care it, the, the introduction of Ethereum changed the conversation from programmable money and financial services and digital gold to peer-to-peer -peer and digital cash into what can you do with this technology space and that gave people permission to access the subject for the first time that otherwise had pushed it away. And on the back of that, it's no surprise that a couple of years later, you see the financial institutions and the corporate world start to pay attention to it. So that was the beginning. Um, and around that time, uh, I would, I'd you know, done a couple of years working in transaction banking. And so I understood Cybos in the world of payments. And I'd uh, sort of got a grounding in that. And I'd done uh, about a year running the Rise platform for Barclays, which was their innovation lab. So I, I had this natural network into, into that world. And so I, I said to the um, Ethereum guys, like, hey, why run your events at a pub when I've got an auditorium f with 150 seats that you can use for free? And they were like, awesome. So the Ethereum guys ran their events out of the London space that Barclays had, uh, Rise. And by running their events there, uh, I was able to get to know all of that community that came around it, and that's how word got to the CTO that hey, this this guy's uh, this guy's going to go. Um, yeah, this guy knows the the blockchain world, so that, that's how it happened. So twice in this podcast, we have come full circle. <laughs> this is what happens when I I ask questions and then I just like go all over the place. <laughs> but it's happened now twice, coming full circle. Okay, so I won't keep you much longer, but just because you are obviously very knowledgeable in the space. Um, I would like to ask you your thoughts on Libra. You're probably so sick of talking about Libra. Oh, okay, good. Um, so just kind of what you think the future of Libra is. I really respect the ambition and the bravery to do a project like Libra. And I genuinely believe the people behind Libra have good intentions, that they are trying to solve problems for people who have dire, dire uh, kind of uh, issues with access to money, access to financial services. So the intent is really, really good. I fully believe that the, when they created it, they did not expect the reaction that they've got. And that might be quite naive because a lot of us could have told them that was going to happen. But sometimes it takes that person to do the thing that's maybe a little bit naive uh, to create change. And if if Libra itself didn't succeed, then everybody would at least point at it as the reason why the thing that did succeed succeeds, because it's created a conversation and an attention around the subject of stable coins and digital assets that I think was sorely needed. So I have you know, hats off to those guys there in an incredibly hard spot. I think they're working really hard and trying to do the right thing. Um, for me, there's still a long way to go. I think that the mid-2020 launch seems wildly ambitious. But then, you know, I, I said the same thing about uh, ever launching Ethereum, and I said the same thing about launching ETH 2.0. With enough time, these people will get there. And, and I think... Th 
if we understand their intent, then we can work with them on the, the details of the implementation. And the details of the implementation are changing all the time. So I have nothing but respect for them. I love what it means for the future of financial services. And uh, I hope they can overcome some of the challenges they've had from a communication standpoint um, and that people can see that there are solvable problems underneath the surface. Great take. All right, well, thank you for stopping by our booth today. I know you are very busy, but I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life in the Fast Chain. If you watched it on video, then you don't have this conclusion because I am sitting here by myself um, doing the intro and conclusion, but um, I hope you liked it. I had a lot of fun. I was a little nervous actually at first um, with Simon Taylor. So uh, thanks for listening to this episode and stay tuned for the next one. Bye.